Welcome to the Postcard Academy, your weekly travel and culture podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Mikatel, and I am so happy to be talking to you today. Thank you for subscribing and for dedicating some of your valuable time to this episode, which is all about drinking in Tuscany. If you're anything like me, you enjoy wine, but are fairly uneducated about it, and you usually forget everything you learn at wine tastings. That's okay. Today, I'm talking with my friend Tony from Taste Florence, and we are going to give you a great wine list that has everything you need, whether you like reds, whites, dessert wines. We explain what Super Tuscans are, I learn what Barrique is, and we also share where to drink high-end cocktails at hipster places, as well as cheap gin and tonics at communist bars. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. I just downloaded Food, A Cultural Culinary History. This is actually an online course that's part of the Great Courses series, but if you feel like listening to it instead at, say, the beach, you can do what I did and download it as an audiobook from Audible. Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial if you sign up using the link audibletrial.com postcard. Now into my conversation with Tony. What are the local wines that we should be enjoying when we're visiting Florence? Definitely, you know, mandatory that you drink some Chianti because Chianti, the, the Chianti Classico is south of, of Florence. And then there's the Florentine Hills of, of Chianti. There's several parts of the Chianti. So it's kind of like mandatory to have some Chianti while you're here. But there's lots of other reds from Tuscany that um, I would definitely recommend. And then also some whites. So let's start with the whites. We'll do this as if we were like sitting down in a wine tasting. Okay. Um, Vermentino. Vermentino from Colli di Lune, uh, let's see, Vernaccia di San Gimignano, and then there's a lot of other just kind of random whites. Uh, Monte Carlo Bianco, which is outside of Luca, I love those, those are blends. So there's some nice, uh, easy-to-drink whites, some are more complex, like if you get a good Vernaccia, uh, you can actually find some that are more complex than you would expect, because the young ones are pretty simple. And those are going to go with fish, they're going to go with chicken, but they're also going to go with uh, things that have more seasoning to them. Like they would be great for a Thanksgiving turkey or a holiday turkey. They would be great with things like stuffed mushroom caps, things that have a little season. So they would also be good for vegetarians. And then for reds, <laughs> endless, endless, endless. But I would say definitely try. I'm a big fan of Carmignano. Carmignano is not a grape. It's a place. It's about 20 miles or 20 kilometers west of Florence. And it's a beautiful area. Um, there's a UNESCO World Heritage Site there. Um, there's a beautiful Medici villa there to visit. Um, so I would definitely, if you can visit Carmignano, that would be great. But if nothing else, try the wines. They're a blend usually. I believe it's 70% Sangiovese. And then the other 30 is like French grapes that are cultivated there. So I, yeah, I can't say enough about Carmignano. I love it. There are a lot of other blends in Tuscany because they're trendy now. They're what are referred to as super Tuscans. That's like a whole other episode. Um, Super Tuscan is not a type of wine in the sense that it's not a, uh, you know, it's not Chianti. It's not Carmignano. It's not a legal place or anything like that. It's a kind of name that was given to a category of wines that 50 years ago were way too good to be called table wine, but they didn't have their own category. So journalists started calling them Super Tuscans. So anyway, if you like blends, look for Super Tuscans. But if you like an elegant blend... I highly recommend Carmignano. Um, you've got, obviously, the, the, the ones that are more famous. Brunello of Montalcino, Vino Nobile di Montepulciano, and you've got Montecucco. Oh, I love Morellino di Scansano. If you want a lighter-bodied red that you could actually even have um, with vegetarian dishes or with fish, 
Um, I would go with Moralini Descansano, but make sure you get one that's made the old fashioned way because nowadays even they are using barrique just because it's trendy. They're using what? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, barrique are the, the French style barrels that, um, that oak is toasted. So they just tend to cover up the wine more than the, the big Italian barrels. And okay. I'm, I'm not knocking barrique. Barrique are good when they're used properly, but a lot of the time they're abused for the kind of to give off like vanilla and pepper and things like that on your wine. And when they're abused like that, you don't really taste the grape. You don't taste the terroir. You just taste oak. And oak was really in about 10 years ago. Fortunately, people are starting to, you know, get a grip and realize that oak isn't everything. So things are getting better. But there was a, a, a patch of time where everything had to be just, you know, it was like French kissing a sauna. Yeah, I want to taste the grapes. Exactly. Get out of here. <laughs> I know I'm forgetting something and I'm going to kick myself later as far as wine's concerned. I feel like, like I can feel it. But those would be the ones that first come to mind. Okay. Yeah. We can talk more about wine some other day if you want. Okay. Oh, oh, Elba. Elba is part of Tuscany, the island of Elba. And the whites from Elba are fantastic. And if you like port wine, if you like dessert wine, get Aleatico Pasito from Elba. Oh my goodness gracious. That is my favorite of the dessert wines that I've encountered lately. I've been into it for about 10 years now, but I've tried a bunch of other dessert wines and it's still one of my favorites. It's basically, it's a red dessert wine. So it's got a little more umph. You can put it with chocolate, which not many things really truly go with chocolate. This one does. It's not, it's not horribly expensive. So that's another one I want to throw in there. All right. If I had a house, I'm fantasizing like this little dinner party and okay someday yeah and which one okay. going with what and i will in my future home have like some sort of wild chocolate dessert and i'll serve that wine to finish off the evening i'm a big fan of the soccer tort that chocolate and apricot cake that comes from um, vienna and bolzano okay that would be my vote <laughs> you gotta get a good one though. the good ones are really good the bad ones are like you know, like you need like a gallon of milk to, to wash them down like no wine will do like, but the good ones are so good. Uh, so you were saying you don't have a house and I, I just had this thought like, no, but one could rent an Airbnb that has like a real kitchen, like splurge. And then you could have a, a dinner party every once in a while. Oh my God. You know, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Thank you. And then you get out of your system. Yeah. Okay. And you don't go settling down and being all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about your lifestyle. Like I encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Speaking with sweet stuff. So we also went to, what was it? A cookie shop? Like a biscotti? It wasn't just biscotti. What was that? Where were we? So that's a place that just makes uh, different types of biscotti and a couple of cakes. So it was, it's, I mean, in Italian, you would, I guess you would call it a biscotteria. It's pretty new. It's one of the non-historic shops on the tour. Um, I go there, though, because their biscotti are really good. Um, I think if I have people with nut allergies or people that are gluten-free, like celiac, I just skip it because it's like il, gluten and nuts. It was Il Cantuccio? Is that where we were? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And we dipped our little biscotti into Vino Santo, and it was delicious. Tell us what that is. Yeah. So Vino Santo is a um, what's known as a, a vino pasito, a sweet wine, a dessert wine. And it's not like, you know, a lot of people think that, that it's supposed to be used like grappa or limoncello, but Vinsanto 
kind of like port wine, like you can have it with cheese, you can have it with dessert. The traditional thing to have it with, though, is the, the cantuccini, the biscotti. The ones that in English we refer to as biscotti. In Italian, they're called, um, or in Tuscany, they're called biscotti di prato or cantuccini. Um, if you go down to Rome, they make them with hazelnuts and they call them tozzetti. So it's kind of funny because every region thinks they invented them. They just have their own version of it. But it's traditional to dip them into the Vinsanto. So the Vinsanto is this wine that is traditionally made by taking grapes um, and hanging them to dry in an attic, sometimes for a few weeks, sometimes for a few months. It depends on the winery and the kind of the personal taste of the winemaker. Um, back in the day, like in the olden days, they used to leave it hanging sometimes all the way until um, Easter time. But that's pretty rare. So the grapes like hang to dry in an attic. They are taken down and they are uh, pressed and ferment in a small barrel that's called a caratello. And that barrel is made with different types of wood. So it's not a series of barrels. It's not like port wine where it gets moved around. It's just one barrel that has different uh, pieces of wood from like one could be cherry, one could be chestnut and so forth. And it depends on who makes the Vinsanto, but the, the better Vinsantos, the, the more traditional ones are um, aged sometimes like three, five, even six or seven years. And always in that one barrel though. And it just gets thicker and thicker and thicker. And because there's a mother yeast in the barrel, it doesn't, it's not like a red wine that would go bad. It just, it stays in there and reduces and gets sweeter and more, uh, more complex. And then um, it's the kind of wine that in the bottle is going to last like, usually like a good 15 or 20 years. It, it has a lot of longevity because of the fact that the way it's aged. And so the, the tradition is to dip your biscotti or cantuccini in there. But it's also really good if you have like um, uh, any kind of fruit pie, but especially like apricot or, or apple pie, things like that go really well with it. Yeah. And I think that if you're going to buy a gift for somebody – like you really cannot go wrong with buying a bottle of Vinsanto and then also the um, Cantuccini. And I made the mistake of not labeling the bag for like a specific gift, like a gift for a specific person. So that I was, uh -huh. hmm, I think I'm just going to open this myself. <laughs> gone, gone within like two days. Yeah. Did you get the almond or did you get any of the chocolate ones? The almond. Okay. Yeah. The, the almond... Both of those, those, they make different types there, but my favorite are the classic with almond, and they make a chocolate one that I don't really like in the Vinsanto. I like chocolate. The chocolate ones, if you dip them in Earl Grey tea or in a coffee, they're so good at breakfast. I, I don't keep them in the house. They were the best I've had, except for my mother's. Um, the best. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> Wine or cocktail bar? So for cocktails, I would still say hands down, uh, locale, il locale. They, the restaurant's beautiful. That's a splurgy, splurgy, splurgy dinner. But the atmosphere is amazing. I mean, there are a few places where they've got it all going on, and that place has atmosphere. The cocktails are amazing. So even if you just go for a cocktail, because when you walk in, you're in what used to be a courtyard in between buildings, and they, they covered it, but the roof can open and close. So depending on whether it rains or not, they have like a remote control and they can close like that. It's really cool. And there's plants growing up the side of the wall and every cocktail has like a different glass because I'm not a big cocktail girl. I've got to state that for the record. I've already told you guys I'm a crotchety old man. And so for me, I'm all about a glass of wine or a beer on tap, but a good cocktail when, when I get a good cocktail, I recognize it. And cocktails are like 10 or 15 euro unless you go to like, 
the little communist chirkoli. We have to talk about those. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I love the chirkoli. Wait, um, tell us about that. Let's go there. Okay. Okay, so communist – okay, so good. I'm glad that this came out because I didn't even think about it. Where would I go for a cocktail? If I want, like, you know, cocktail with, um, you know, such and such filtered on the back of a camel, blah, 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 and, you know, with a guy that has a beard and, and suspenders, then there's, like, a handful of places I would go to. Um, if I want, on the other hand, a vodka and water or, or a gin and tonic or just something simple like that, or just a straight-up grappa. You go to a circolo. A circolo is basically historically they were um, they were like communist social clubs. And I, I like I you know I, I shy away from using the word communist, especially with the way things are going politically now. Like anything you say, but um, they, basically the point is is that the prices are low and anybody can afford to go there and you're supposed to be a member you don't have to be a communist to be a member but you're supposed to be a member because it's like a social club and so basically they don't pay the same taxes that restaurants pay because it's like a spot that usually has it depends on how big they are there's one near piazza dalmazia that's like a whole building i mean it's as big as like a elementary school you've got different rooms that they use like um when the elections were going on there was a party there to go and watch the elections um they've got yoga classes they've got um, English classes, it's not, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those places that has space for like a community center. And then, um, some are big like that. It's a community center, but they always have a little coffee bar slash, you know, two or three really bad old sandwiches. I don't know why, but the sandwiches are always old at these places. Um, and then they have, um, like you can get like a Prosecco for two Euro. You can get a grappa for two Euro. I mean, this is where people that like live here and live on low salaries because salaries are not high in Italy. The Euro messed everything up, like you mentioned. So that's where we go. If we want to go out and meet up with friends and not spend a fortune. And that, and that's where you go. If you want to people watch like, older men playing cards with the little hat on, that kind of thing. That is where you do your people watching. I love this. And yes, they have these clubs in Rome as well. And they're not all like labeled communist, but right. that's a way to avoid taxes is just to call yourself a member's club. Yeah, exactly. And then exactly. becoming a member is usually just uh, a matter of writing your name on like a member paper and then that's exactly. it. <laughs> So yeah, it's not. So, I mean, you might pay like a five euro member fee or something, but it's never anything traumatic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this mini episode. For a full list of all the wines we talked about, head on over to postcardacademy.co, where you will find all the wine names and spellings. You can sample some of these fantastic wines yourself if you go on Tony's Taste Florence food tour, and you can get five percent off with the code postcard eighteen. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe if you haven't already, and let me know what other cities or travel topics you'd like me to cover. You can email me at sarah at postcardacademy.co or find me on the website. That's all for now. Thanks for listening and have a beautiful week wherever you are. Hey! 
Hey, let's continue the conversation. Head on over to my blog on Substack for more content on how to thrive through better communication, stoicism, and global exploration. That is right. Blogging is cool again over on the Substack platform. There you can chat with me in the comments, and I have plenty of bonuses for paid subscribers, or you can just read for free. So click the link in the episode notes to access the Substack Live Without Borders.